So glad you're here uh, at Urban Church. We're going to continue our series in the book of James. So turn to James chapter 1, and uh, we're going to get into it today. Uh, we are now on our third message of James. And how many of you guys have been getting something out of it? Anybody getting something out of it? All right, I'll talk to the three of you. Um, I've been getting a lot out. I've really been enjoying studying it and going through it. And uh, we're going to read uh, James 1, 1 through 18, pull some stuff out of that. Uh, I'll try to conclude James chapter 1 next week, but I, there's no guarantees, all right? And so we'll do what we can to conclude it next week. Um, but James, uh, as we started it, we realized this, we're talking about genuine faith. James talks about genuine faith and how our faith can be lived out practically uh, in this world, Okay. James is writing this, uh, not so much as a letter, uh, but more as an exhortation to the masses, and it's meant to be read in front of large groups of people, therefore it carries uh, more of a call to action. It's not so pastoral like uh, Tim, uh, Paul's letters were to Timothy. It's more or less uh, pretty aggressive and calls people to action, okay? And so it's calling forth genuine faith, seen and coupled with good works, written to uh, Jewish Christians. Uh, that are dispersed, uh, obviously under some persecution, under some trials, okay? Why? Because they are Christians living in a non-Christian culture, okay? Sounds a little bit like today, right? Christians living in a non-Christian culture. Therefore, the things that we are talking about out of James will apply to us today, not just as the masses, but hopefully personally to you as well. Get something out of this. It'll equip you, and uh, you can live for him more effectively. James chapter 1, starting in verse 1, we'll read to 18. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And everyone said, that wasn't everyone, but okay. Yeah. Count it all joy, okay, when you face various, uh, various types of trials. I love how James doesn't single out one trial, um, but he says, hey, basically, I'm going to take this opportunity to say no matter what kind of trial you're walking through, whether it be relational, whether it be health, uh, whether it be financial, or something else, man, no matter what trial you find yourself in, come on, count it all joy. Why? Well, let's read on. For you know who's you. You is the Christians, okay? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or patience. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking Amen. Now, how many of you want to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing? Okay. Now, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. How many of you guys want to walk through the trial to get there, though? Right? Okay. We all want to get there. We want to be perfected. And, you know, we want to be lacking nothing, or at least I do. Okay. Um, but very seldom do we want to walk through the trials that we have to walk through in order to get there. This is the Bible. Here we are, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. And we talked about that and what that means, right? Okay, it's kind of comical that James would say, hey, here's how you're going to get what you need. You're going to walk through a trial. Oh, you're lacking? Okay, ask God, and he'll put you through a trial. Come on, somebody. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. 
Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed, here it is again, is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Now James changes gears here, or at least it seems, and I want you to hone in on these next verses. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. For each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father, from God, of lights, of whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, uh, that God, your word would uh, speak to us. Um, for those of us that need encouragement today, would be encouraged. For those of us that are doing great and living well, God, I pray you would come along and challenge us how we can practically live this out and encourage someone else. Um, God, I pray that we'd leave this place more in love with the Word and more in love with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. <clears throat> amen. The very first thing we tackled was this, this word trials uh, a couple of weeks back. And the reason that's the very first thing we tackled is because James, under, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, begins to write out some things for Christians of that time. Uh, maybe not knowing that you and I would still be talking about it today, but yet very much applicable to our circumstances and situations we face today. The very first thing out of all the things that, that the Holy Spirit could have, could have compelled James to write, this is the one, it's trials. Okay? Obviously, he looks out, he sees some things going on, and he needs to address some things. Okay? Maybe people were grumbling and complaining about what the, they were under, whether it be persecution or some other form of trial. And so James looks at it and says, hold on a second, we need to address this. And so therefore, it's the very first thing we talked about several weeks ago. And so I want to rewind a bit, and I want to catch us back up before we talk about uh, the main event today. Okay? How many of you guys watched the UFC last night? All right. Come on. Thank you. I, get, I got a hand clap for that. Ain't no one clapping about the words yet. Yeah, I saw somebody get bloody and beat up. Okay. Right. Trials. Trials. Let me give you the definition of a trial as we review just real quickly. It is the action or process of putting or trying to prove or to test. Okay. Trials. What is a trial? A trial is something that comes from the outside. As we studied it a couple weeks ago, it's something unexpected. It's something that you did not plan on. It, it, you're living your life uh, in a good, godly way. You're, you're moving forward, and you know you're loving life. You're loving God. If you're married, you're loving your spouse. If you have children, uh, you're loving your children. If you're single, you're looking for somebody to love. Come on, somebody. Okay? But you're just doing everything you can, you know, under your ability and power and under the grace that God has given you, and everything's just smooth. Right? And the Bible says, and I love the way James says it, he says, count all joy when trials meet you. Okay? So here you are, you're just cruising, life is good, and then, bam! Anybody ever had that happen before? 
Okay, okay, so I'll talk to you people then, all right? You're just doing your stuff, you know, and then out of nowhere, unexpected, out of the blue, you know, you, you know, mom has cancer, okay? The person you thought you were going to marry, no longer, they left you. The person you did marry, left you, right? The economy switched, boom, you lose the job. That's a trial. It's unexpected, okay? I, I, here's what I've found out to be true is that I guarantee you that since we preach that message on trials, some of you have walked through a trial, right? Matter of fact, some of you, life was great until I preached on trials, right? And now you're like, Pastor, just don't preach no more. We'll just come in and worship. Get that Jonathan guy back up here. Get Amanda up here in her cowboy boots and we'll worship. Preach on nothing, because every time you preach on something, I get tested on it, (laughs) right? And you hit that trial, right? Maybe something came up in your marriage. Something came up in your family. Something happened, and you've been tested, okay? You've been tested. Because here's, here's what I've realized, is that it, it's easy for us to sit here and say amen, good preaching, when everything's going well, right? Isn't it easy to trust in God when you really don't have anything to trust in God for? Now, I know we should always trust and we always do, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Money's in the bank, job's going well, kids are behaving. Where is that? <laughs> you know, um, right? And, and things are going well, and it's easy to be like, oh, I love God. God is so good. Come on, brother. Right? And life, you know, we're just, woohoo! And then something happens. That's the test. And some of you fail at it. Right? It's, it's hard to trust in God when you really need to trust in God. Right? This is what James is talking about. Okay? You said you trust God. You said you believe in God. Well, get ready. There's going to be a test one of these times. Okay? How's it going to come? It's just going to meet you. When? Uh, you just, it's going to meet you. Right? And it does. It's unexpected. In those circumstances, those situations, count it all joy. Why can we do that? Because it's coming to test one thing, your faith. Right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Isn't it easy to love, you, you know, your spouse when just, when they're, when, you know, I come home and dinner's made and, right? It's easy. It's easy to love God when everything's going good. It's easy to go to church. It's easy to, are you with us? Count it all joy when the unexpected trial comes. And the reason we can do that is because it's coming to test one thing. It's coming to test our faith. What is that? That's our trust and complete reliance on God. It's coming to, let's see. Uh, we got a whole book called the book of Job in the Old Testament. You talk about a trial. Let's see how good Job is. Right? Lost everything. Some of the things he's probably happy he lost or wanted to lose. Like his wife. Read it. It's crazy. Read the Bible. How many of you guys have read Job? You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. The rest of you are like, whoa, what in the world? Read Job. Get a Bible. We, we have some out there. Oh, they're New Testament only, though, aren't they? Oops. <laughs> My bad. Count it all joy. Count all joy. Okay. Test. Produces greater faith in us if we stay steadfast through it. Now here, I've got I to jump into this real quickly now, Okay. So here's the test. We got, we're caught up. Tests come. 
But right in the middle of that, and then actually James in verse 12, uh, or actually verse 13, no, hold on, verse 12 goes right back into it and reminds us, remember, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. But then he, it almost seems like he changes for a minute, but he really does it. He wants to bring things into context. He goes from trial, and he talks about this thing called temptation. He's talking about trials. Yeah, trials, yeah. You know, going to rejoice through it. Now listen to me. When you rejoice through a trial, it doesn't mean that you're just smiling on the outside saying, oh, I love Jesus. It's more of an inner attitude. Okay? But, hey, rejoice when you're going through trials. Oh, but hold on a second. Some of you are going through some stuff that ain't trials at all. This is what he said. It ain't a trial. And if I could just summarize what he's saying through verse 13 to 15, he's saying it's your stupidity. True. You're going through something, not because of a trial. Actually, what you're going through was you were tempted and drawn away by your own desire, which we'll talk about in just a minute. And because you gave in to that, now you're reaping consequences for the sin in your life. That's not a trial. It's the same thing that Peter talks about in 1 Peter 2.20. In 1 Peter 2.20, Peter brings, brings into context and says, Hey, look, if you are being persecuted, which you will be, if you are under trial, which will come, if those things are happening to you, but you are living godly, and you know, you're doing the things you should, and those things come upon you, then rejoice, because you're being persecuted for living right. But then he goes into verse 20, he says, but look, if you were dumb, well, I saw some people look at somebody. Mm-hmm. I get a different vantage point up here than you guys do. Now. You guys are looking at me, I'm seeing all the people like, mm-hmm. You better listen up, right? <laughs> Peter says, look, if, you, if you, you did something stupid that you shouldn't have done, and now there's consequences for that, listen, that is not a trial. That was sin. We're getting it in context now. Obviously, James saw some things that were taking place then that are probably relevant to us today. And he had to address it. It wasn't just about the trial. It was because you know what? When he was writing that thing, he was probably like, yeah, this is good trials. But then all of a sudden, he probably thought of some people like, wait a second, they're going to read this and they're going to write off their stupidity as a trial. So period. Let's talk about temptation for three verses. Didn't have verses then, but you all know what I'm talking about. And he addresses it. Because too often times, ladies and gentlemen, I've heard people say things. Oh, yeah, I'm just having, you know, God's just trying to teach me, you know, more patience right now. Oh, really? What happened? Well, you know, I went out and partied with my friends, and we got super drunk. And then my friend lost their car keys. They were so drunk. And so then I couldn't find a ride home. And so I think God's just trying to teach me greater patience with my friend. What does the Bible say? Oh, you're stupid. (laughs) Right? No. God is not trying to teach you that. God does not do those things. God is good. God was telling you before you went to the party, don't go! What was He trying to teach you there? Obedience. But you ignored. Right? 
I just think, you know, God just, God just taking me through a real time of purity right now. Why is that? Well, because, you know, I'm, I'm online and I keep looking at these, these images I shouldn't. And so I just really feel like, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm going on there and it's, you know, I really feel, no, don't go on there. Well, some people, they, they, they spent their money unwisely and, and they're broke. I just think God's trying to teach me how to manage, manage money better. No, he was trying to teach you that before you went broke. <laughs> you're broke, not because God's trying to teach you something. You're broke because you spend more than you make. Oh, is that how that works? Yes. good preaching thank you james is saying look there is trials but there is also something else called sin and a lot of you are in the circumstance and situation you're in not because of a trial stop blaming the devil for everything poor devil stop blaming the devil for everything and look at your own actions Look at what you did. We need to have a reality check sometimes. Because here's what I've discovered. If we, and here's why James does it. Because if we don't understand the difference between a trial and the sin, the temptation that we put ourselves in, we have a warped idea of what Christianity is. And we have a warped idea of what His grace is. And then we live it out in a way that is totally not practical. Are you with me? Okay? And so James has to address it because here's why. I, I've seen it happen time and time again. For those people that are, are habitually, they call themselves a Christians, but they're habitually in sin. Oh, God's just trying to teach me something. No, he's not. Okay? Stop sinning. Okay? I've noticed this, and this, and this, this might rub somebody the wrong way, but it's, I've been doing this a little while, and I know it to be true. What happens, and this is why James addresses the whole idea of faith and works, because what happens is, is if we don't get this first part right, trials and temptations, what happens is, is we write our, our temptation off as a trial. And here's the problem with that. Then we go to James, and James says, oh, be steadfast in the trial. And what's happening is, is you're being steadfast in the temptation. Oh, it's getting good now, huh? Amen. Preach it, Pastor. Okay. There's a problem with that. Because if you read on, you see what the Bible says. That that temptation, it, it births sin inside of you. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth. If you stay steadfast in the trial, it produces perfect, complete, lacking nothing. But if you're writing your temptation off as a trial and you stay steadfast in it, there's going to be a funeral. Are you with me? See, if you miss it here, I'm just going to stay steadfast. Steadfast at the party until I find a ride home, you know? (laughs) Right? Problem. Here's what I've noticed, though, because James has to address this now. He addresses the faith and the works, okay? Because some people get so works-oriented. What is that? I've seen this, and I know this to be true. People that are, are, are habitually in sin... First, what they do is they find other people, and they build a little group, 
And oh, look at that. They all have sin issues. And then what happens is that they talk about their sin issues. Oh, you did that? So did I last week. Oh, it's okay. Trying to make, but then they do this. They're really big about evangelism. Now, listen to me. If you're here today and evangelism is your passion, I'm not saying that you're in sin, okay? Just want to clarify that. Because <laughs> I know Kathy. Kathy's huge on evangelism, okay? And she's like, oh. Okay. But I've noticed this to be true. What happens is, is because they want to make up for the guilt they're feeling. And so I've got to tell something about Jesus. But I don't want them to tell nobody about Jesus. Because if they get the Jesus the way you have it, we're going to have a whole bunch of messed up people. Mm. Thank you, Betsy. Also gives you a, a, a warped sense of grace. Romans 6, what does it say? Shall we continue in sin, in sin that grace may abound? That question actually has an answer in Romans 6. Certainly not. Right? It says it. Because if you read Romans 6 in context, you realize this. It paints a picture of God having a breaking point with sin. But we miss that. And so now we have a warped sense of grace. Oh, God's love covers a multitude of sin. Yeah, it did. A multitude of people's sins. When he died on the cross, he wasn't saying that you could continue to have a multitude of sins. Well, all right. We'll save that for when we go through Romans. Get back to James. All right, there it is. We didn't understand it. Because if we miss it, we have a warped sense. So what is James saying? James is saying trials, boom, they're going to meet you. They're coming from the outside. But some of you are in situations and circumstances that you are riding off as a trial that aren't a trial at all. What it is, it's sin. And it didn't come from the outside and meet you. Look at what it says. Let's read it. Here it is. Let no one say when I'm tempted, I'm tempted by God. Stop. Saying God brought this, I've heard people say it. Oh, yeah, God's just a lot. No, God didn't do that. I am being tempted with God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Why? Because he loves you. He cares about you. He has your best interests in mind. But each person, here's how it happens. Are you ready now? Each person is tempted when he is lured. Look at the word that's used. How many of you guys have ever been fishing before? How many of you guys have ever watched it on ESPN? All right, somebody help me out. Okay. Okay. And they not only have bait, they have these things called lures. What are they? They're these little shiny things that when they get in the water and the light hits them, the fish is like, oh. Okay? And it lures them over to the bait. Okay? And so they see it and they're like, whoa, what's that? Okay? It's the same word being used. Okay? You're lured. Whoa, what's that? Oh. Right? And then you find your way over there and then boom! You bite a sharp hook. Come on, somebody. Okay? Look at the Bible now. Person is tempted when he is lured and enticed. What's that word enticed mean? The word enticed means a lure, bait, or lure into sin. Freaky. Okay? Enticed. Now listen to this, though. By his own, or just let me, just let me make it relevant for everybody, by her own 
desire. Okay, what is that? Temptation doesn't come from the outside like a trial. Temptation comes from the inside. Uh, what, what does the word temptation mean? Here it is, the word temptation. To try and trap, to entice someone for the purpose of failure. I like the test a lot better, right? Because I want to be perfect and complete. I don't want to fail, okay? But it lures you. James is saying, guys, look, there is trials. You're going to be, boom, endure that. But there's also this thing called your desire. And your desire, when it meets that temptation, and if they come together, then something is conceived inside of you. What is it? It's sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. Okay? How, does, how does this work? It, it works real simply. Here's the thing. Okay? Let's go back to our fishing analogy real quick. When you're fishing, you might have a lure and it lures it over. But if you got the wrong bait, right, the fish ain't biting. Okay? So what do you do? You change up the bait. The enemy works the same way in our life, okay? The enemy doesn't automatically know what your bent in life is, what your issues are. So what does he do? He throws bait out there. And he throws it out. Oh, that one didn't work. Throws it out. Oh, that one didn't work. Throws it out, and it's like, whoa, okay, there. And then they start fishing with that bait because they know now. The enemy knows now, Okay? So maybe, maybe you don't have the propensity to get drunk. And so, well, you threw alcohol out there. You can handle a beer and you don't get drunk. Well, that didn't work. Okay? Some, some of us, you know, it is that. Some of us, it's lust. It's, 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 it's being attracted to, if you're a man, to a woman. And I don't mean attracted like, hopefully if you're a man, you're attracted to a woman. But... Lust, okay? Are you with me? Okay. But maybe for, for some of you it's not that. Maybe, there's, maybe it's rage. Maybe you have anger issues. And you wonder why. On your way to work, you get cut off seven times every day. The enemy found. Ah! And you wave at them, but there's only one finger visible, you know? It's not that one either, right? And you're not like, God bless you, right? Well, there's a reason why seven people cut you off on the way to work but nobody else because the enemy now knows that you have rage issues. So what do they do? They're going to bait you with the rage issues, right? So what happens is this, is you get enticed. Let me, let me just break it down real quick, okay? Let's just say... Um, you know, lust literally means to have an inordinate desire for something. So let's just say, uh, for purposes of today, let's just say I have a thing for backpacks. Okay? And let's just say, and it's, it's right here. And I have a thing for backpacks. And I'm walking, you know, the enemy's already tried to throw the folder at me and the notebook and the pencil, and that didn't work, all right? I am not going for it, okay? So through the pencil, didn't even phase me, you know, through the notebook, not even checking it out, right? But then I'm walking, all of a sudden there's the backpack. Hello, kitty. <laughs> right? 
Come on, people. It's a Hello Kitty backpack, all right? It's like, oh, he has pet names for him? No, it's a Hello Kitty backpack, all right? Okay. So I'm walking, right? And now the enemy has thrown that bait out. And I'm like, whoa! Okay? Now what we should do in those situations, because here's what we got to understand. Is there anything wrong with being tempted? No. Okay? It's when we give in to the temptation that there's a problem. Okay? And so what we need to do in those situations, because it's not a test, it's a temptation. And it's pulling out the desires that are in you. So what we should do in those situations is just like, and then we just run, right? Okay? You ever seen uh, Forrest Gump? Okay? Just think about that anytime you're tempted. Run, Forrest, run. Insert your own name, okay? And just book it, okay? Paul wrote to Timothy and said this, Timothy, flee youthful lust. Okay, now when I was a youth pastor, I used to read that and I thought, oh yeah, I need to address all of this lust in this younger generation. They're so perverted, you know? Okay. And I'd have to address that in them, okay? But if you read that in context... And now understand James, that James is saying, hey, look, when desire uh, meets temptation, something is birthed inside of you. And it actually gives the analogy of a baby growing inside of you. Okay? And when it's full grown, you now look at what Paul was saying to Timothy, flee youthful lust. It's not saying that young people have a lustful problem. It's saying, look, we all do. But when it's young, run from it. Okay? Woo! Okay, run, okay? Just turn and hightail and get out of there. Why? Okay, because it's going to be strong. It's going to lure you. It's going to pull you away. But too many of us, though, okay, we're walking and we see the backpack. We're like, I love backpacks. (laughs) There's just something about backpacks, okay? And so then you go home and now your mind is thinking about the backpack, right? You're Googling backpacks. Oh, look at the red one. Oh, it's got red with blue straps. That's awesome, right? You're Googling backpacks, okay? You go to bed, now you're dreaming about backpacks, right? Okay, and so then the next day, okay, rather than avoiding that route, you think, I wonder if Hello Kitty is there today. And so you go back the same route. This is good preaching. Thank you. Okay. What we should do is we should avoid that. Okay? If you have a problem with rage and you're getting cut off seven times on the road, take the bus. If you have a problem with alcohol, bars probably aren't the best place for you to be hanging out. Just a thought. If you have a problem managing your finances, malls are not a good place for you. To do your workout. What are you doing? I'm just getting my walk in. Right? Okay. If Hello Kitty was there that, the day before, don't go that route. Find a different route. But no, you didn't. So you came and now Hello Kitty is hanging out with her princess friends. Right? So now you're going, you're like, Hello Kitty princesses. Right? But now you stop and you just like, Right? And you start to look a little longer. And then you start to realize that, man, look at the zipper on that Hello Kitty. 
Ooh, a strapped back. Right? Bow in the hair. <laughs> On the ear, whatever. Okay. Hey, now you're checking out the curves. How many of you guys are getting something out of this message right now? <laughs> I feel bad for the person in here that really has a thing for backpacks right now, though. Other than the fact that you're going to go buy a bunch of them after this and bring them back next week. Okay. I was trying to figure out. I told the team, I was like, I'm going to try to use backpack at least 40 times in my message. And I think I've done it. They thought I was joking, but I wasn't. Okay. It's now you're, you're checking out the backpack. Backpack, backpack. You're... But then, you want to try the backpack on. Woo! I feel good. Right? Okay. Happens. Now, it's conceived. Sin is birthed. Okay? What should have we done? Avoided it. Okay? Rather than giving it. Then what happens is, is now, now we got this thing growing inside of us. And we look and we're like, oh, God's just trying to teach me something. No, that wasn't a trial. That was temptation. James is saying, listen, in order for us to live out our Christianity in a practical, genuine way, in a non-Christian culture, we better have the right concept of what a trial is and what temptation is. If not, we're going to reproduce a generation of Christ followers that are anemic. So I'm going to address this thing first. Count it all joy when you're going through a trial, but never count your temptation as a trial. That is sin. Get it straight. Get it right. Live out Christianity in a genuine, practical way that will reproduce great Christ followers. It's not just about the one. It's not just about doing good works. It's about living holy as well. It's not just about getting backpacks in to bless 1,000 or 700 kids. It's about reproducing a generation of people that are unspotted from the world. Look at the very last, the last verse in James chapter 1, because James brings it all together. He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit wor- wid- uh, uh, orphans and widows in their affliction. And so many of you like that one. You're like, yeah, period. Don't need to move on and read the rest of the verse. Let's just go share the love of Jesus with everybody. But it reads on. Pure and undefiled religion is not just good works. It's to keep oneself unstained from the world. Faith and works collide. And we can live out our Christianity in a practical, genuine way that will literally change a culture. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you, God, that your word is living God, your word is alive in this place right now, in this moment. Hallelujah. God, we thank you, Lord, for, for, for good, sound doctrine. We thank you for what James wrote, that we could glean from it today so that we could address issues in our life, so that we could decipher between a trial and sin and never write sin off as a trial. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that your word is so accurate. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us in this place, God, right now, that as, as, we, as we wrap up this time together, that, Lord, we would take a moment to say, wow, that's sin. 
and I need to stop writing it off as a trial. Hallelujah.